Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Possible Worlds, Episode 5, titled The Cosmic Connectome. <sighs> Alright, I'm going to be honest. I did not like this episode. This episode was bad. In fact, not only was this episode bad, I would go as far as to say that it might just be the weakest episode Of any Cosmos show. This might be the worst episode in any of those three series. Now, let me be fair here. Uh, My expectations could just be set way too freaking high because we did literally just come off of the best episode of all three Cosmos shows in Vavilov. So, take it with a grain of salt, of course, but... God, this was nothing. This was just a big that pile of nothing. It's all over the place. It barely justifies its own existence. It doesn't feel like an episode of Possible Worlds so much as it feels like a rejected episode of Space Time Odyssey. <laughs> like, but like the thing I love about Possible Worlds, the using the science of the past to responsibly speculate uh, on the future. Uh, using the science of the past and the present to speculate on the future. None of that is really there in any way. It's not even metaphorical like it was in Vavilov, which is what really made that episode truly spectacular for me. Like, it, it just didn't exist. Like, this was just stuff they could have done in Space Time Odyssey very, very easily, but for whatever reason, decided not to. And honestly, the way in which this episode was handled kind of feels like we just saw the reason why. <laughs> kind of feels like the reason why uh, we never saw that in uh, in Space Time Odyssey. Kind of feels like we now know exactly why that first show uh, didn't include an episode like this. Because they didn't really have much to say? They didn't really have much to work with here? Uh, now, let me just start off with this. Things I liked. 
Uh, there's a bit at the beginning where they kind of show how people viewed epilepsy throughout the ages, starting with the ancient Greek world, how they thought it was uh, the gods being angered, and there were just, like, ritualistic goat sacrifices to appease the gods and to make the epilepsy better. Uh, and then we found more science on it, more science on it. We figured out that it was, in fact, a... Uh, a malformation in the brain, and we used epilepsy as a way to kind of chart uh, certain aspects of this is the exact portion of the brain that does this, because when this is damaged, uh, this thing is uh, reduced, This the ability for this is reduced. Like, all of that was solid. All of that was fascinating. There's also a really fantastic moment uh, where uh, we have a particularly... A particularly influential uh, neurologist, Broca, I believe is his name, who discovered this, like, really spectacular stuff and really advanced the field of neuroscience in a really spectacular way. But Neil deGrasse Tyson also takes a moment to acknowledge this dude very much carried the prejudices of the age. Uh, he believed that uh, the male brain was superior to the female brain, and the white brain was superior to everyone else. Yeah. And, and Tyson goes on a really spectacular monologue about how uh, the prejudices of society corrupt everyone living in that age. And it is utterly spectacular, and it is freaking brilliant. Uh, he says something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, it's a little unfair to judge someone based on not having the enlightenment of a later age. But it's still profoundly saddening to know that those prejudices existed at points in history. And he then goes on to say, again, something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing here, the question itself raises nagging uncertainties on the assumption, on what assumptions we have in our age will be judged as unforgivable by the next one. Man, did he get that a little bit too right? Like, honestly, what Neil deGrasse Tyson says in that moment that speaks to a nagging fear I have. I have an irrational fear of accidentally being a terrible person. Like, I'll just say that right now. Like, I am constantly afraid that I'm accidentally saying something horrible. That I'm accidentally doing something that is just super damaging to someone. Like, I, I have that constant fear of just, like, accidentally being a terrible person. Kind of stems from my uh, anxiety. And, like, this thought that Tyson brings up actually keeps me up at night. Like, I actually have thought, like, oh, God, a couple hundred years from now, society's gonna look back on this age, and I know they're gonna find something that, by their moral standards, are extremely effed up. Like, then I'm just, I, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that'll end up being. Like, and I'm just very, like... I don't know, it, it brings me anxiety to think that long-term, it's just like, 
there's something. There's something in our society that we think is normal that the future generations are going to think is absolutely horrific, and I don't know what it is, and, like, that that really nags at me. Like, it's completely irrational. I shouldn't dwell on it as much as I do, but it's something I've actually thought about. It's something I've actually thought about in great detail. Like, I've systematically gone through the things we consider normal and think, like, is there any chance future generations will... Uh, look at this as awful. We'll look at this as absolutely horrific to the level of how we look back on Broca's views that, or Broca or whatever, uh, about uh, <laughs> men and women and white people versus everyone else. Like, how we look at that and it's just like, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible because we've learned enough as a society, allegedly, <laughs> that... That's absolutely wrong-headed and bigoted and awful thinking. But it's just like, man, there's something. There's, there's gotta, there's gotta be right. There's gotta be something in our society right like that that we just consider normal. There's gotta be. Like it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway, end of things I liked. Everything else is a muddled mess. Tyson does a whole segment. Uh, actually half the episode, quite honestly, if we're, like, being entirely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? God damn it, I suck. Uh, if we're being entirely honest with ourselves here, that's not the word I was looking for, but I can't find the other one, so I'll just repeat myself, why not? Uh, if we're being entirely honest, then, uh, he spends half the episode on evolution of the brain. Now, of course... A segment similar to this was done in Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Now, I have often said that Space Time Odyssey is Cosmos but better. There are a lot of segments that Tyson does almost repeated, almost flat out lifted from the Sagan version, just with updated visuals and updated science. Uh, And I do think Tyson does those better as a result. There are a few exceptions to this. This is a massive, massive, massive exception. And it kind of proves to me that it's just like, Possible Worlds isn't Space-Time Odyssey. What worked about Space-Time Odyssey can't work about Possible Worlds. uh, At least in certain instances. Like, this is very clearly Space-Time Odyssey's leftovers. Uh, And it feels very, very cheap. And the entire time Tyson was doing evolution of the brain and the uh, neurons and all that. Like, the entire time I was just thinking, Sagan did this better. Sagan did this better. Sagan did this better. Sagan did this better. Like, he was more descriptive. He was more to the point. Uh, He uh, sort of did it in a more linear fashion that was just more engaging. Like, for whatever reason, like, Tyson tries to do one last one-upping of Sagan and... Should have quit while he was ahead, man. (laughs) In terms of one-upping Carl Sagan, Neil deGrasse Tyson should absolutely have quit while he was ahead. Uh, We have this entire show that's all about the future, all about going forward, and it's just like, now we're going backward on things that Carl Sagan did, and it's just like, no, we're done with that. We're done retreading Carl Sagan. (laughs) Space Time Odyssey did it. They did it perfectly. Move on from that. (laughs) Like, we've done the remake. Now let's focus on the sequel. 
But we have that whole segment, and there are, like, there are entire other segments that don't retread anything Sagan did, to my recollection, that do not judge, that do not justify their existence in any way. That do not justify their existence at all. There's an entire segment on the physicality of dreams, uh, the physical effects that can be measured from when the brain is dreaming, uh, and how we figure that out, and that never ties into anything. Uh, the creation of the EEG, we go into that at a bit, at, and that never really justifies its existence. Like, what's so great about Cosmos as a franchise is they can cover 50 different things in an episode. And find a beautiful linear link between all of them. So everything feels like it's flowing. So everything feels like it's going in one direction. And it feels like all these different concepts being explored in the way that they're being explored tells some form of story. Tells some form of scientific narrative. This didn't feel like that at all. Honestly, I hate to say this because this is something that Cosmos is usually so far beyond. But it felt like an info dump. This didn't feel like the narrative and awe-inspiring brilliance of a typical Cosmos episode. This felt like the type of info dump you see in every other science documentary ever made. And it's just like, you're better than this. I know you're better than this. I've seen you be better than this. Dozens of times. Literally dozens of times in the last couple months. Like, what is happening right now? What is going on? And then you get that ending where Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about the connectome, uh, where, like, neuroscientists are trying to map the connectome of the brain, trying to map all the different connections of the human brain, similar to how uh, scientists mapped the genome a while back. And he gives this vague final monologue about it, never goes into the science. Just says it's a thing and monologues about how great it'll be when we do it. And then the episode ends. And it's just like, okay. Either there wasn't enough there to justify anything. In which case, why are you even doing this? Or you spent so much time on random BS that you didn't have enough time to tackle the actual interesting stuff. In which case... Why was the dream segment there? Why was the EEG segment there? Why was so much of this there? Like, this is cluttered in a way that Cosmos never is. This is stale in a way that Cosmos never is. Like, this isn't Cosmos. This doesn't feel like Cosmos. This feels like, again, every other science documentary ever made. Like, it just doesn't work. This episode doesn't work in the larger context of possible worlds. It doesn't work in the format of Cosmos as a whole. Like, I will I will repeat what I've been saying the entire episode. This feels like a rejected episode of Space Time Odyssey. It feels like possible worlds for a week just became less of a let's use what we learned in Space Time Odyssey and let's use what we've learned throughout human history to speculate onward, like the first few episodes have been doing beautifully, whether in a literal or metaphorical way, when it came to Vavilov, 
this felt way more like... Eh. We get to make the thing now. Let's just slap it in there. Let's just slap the leftovers of Space Time Odyssey into this show. Like, just... I really hope this is a one-off. I really hope this doesn't become a regular thing for possible worlds. Like, I really hope this is the one episode, the one and only episode that feels like the leftovers of Space Time Odyssey. Because if that becomes regular, if the last... How many more do we have? Eight episodes of this show? If the last eight episodes of that feel regularly like rejected Space Time Odyssey episodes, then this is just going to feel like a waste of time. Like, give us more of a V-Lov. Give us more Fleeting Grace of the Habitable Zone. Uh, give us more of those first four episodes, because those first four episodes have been beautiful. Those first four episodes have been absolutely spectacular. But this fifth one, just all the magic's lost. All the magic's lost, and I really hope episode six <laughs> picks it up again. I, I really hope I sit here tomorrow and say, great, we're back. We're doing... Uh, Cosmos stuff, and we're back to the show's strengths. Like, I really hope that's the case, because otherwise it's gonna get very tedious very quickly. Anyway, that big rant out of the way. We're done. That was a thing. If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just to push my button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclarkblitz, just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's the work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Cosmos Possible Worlds Episode 6. Talk to you then.